A Vision fam, welcome to the Vision Podcast. We've got a good one lined up for you today. Last week, Pastor Phil went in depth on just an amazing teaching, talking about the cost of transformation, talking about how salvation is free and it's for everyone, but transformation will cost you everything. And so it's, it, it's, it was such an amazing teaching. We, we just loved it, had such an incredible time in worship, just loving on Jesus, ministering to his heart. So we want to encourage you just listen intently, get your hearts ready, because you're not going to want to miss what Holy Spirit speaks through Pastor Phil. So we're going to just dive right into it. Well, hey, if you have your Bible, turn over to Luke chapter 2. Sorry, 10. Let's, let's rephrase that. Luke chapter 10. Are you excited this morning? I believe God's going to do something phenomenal this morning, and I'm excited about it. Praise God. I noticed that... Uh, Jack, uh, the James Dalton, James and Jesse Dalton are in service. You know, one of the things that James does, he works in a ministry called Pathway to Freedom. And I really have a, that's near and dear to my heart. He, <clears throat> in that ministry, they, they do, uh, they work with prisoners that are about to go on parole. So they'll work two years prior, and then they work with them a year afterwards. And so the percent of people that don't have any kind of a program because how many of you know prisoners have one mission in their life when they're in prison? What's their one goal? To get out. They just want to get out. But because many of them don't have a plan beyond getting out, getting out is just ground zero. You know? And so because of what they do, they have an 88% success rate of prisoners that get out of prison that wind up not going back because they have a plan, because they have a purpose for their life. And 70% that don't have a plan, don't have a purpose beyond prison, wind up going back into prison. And so without a plan, you have to have a plan beyond ground zero. Well, I want to submit to you this morning, salvation is ground zero. We have a lot of people that get born again and two years later step away from Christianity, walk away from God because they treat it like it's the Grand Canyon or Niagara Falls or something that they checked off of their bucket list. They say, yeah, been there, done that, got the t-shirt. And so I want to submit this to you, that salvation without transformation, it, it doesn't have any staying power. It's not sustainable. Transformation is what sustains us in our walk with God. Amen. Woo. So let's read this together. Luke chapter 10 in verse 38. Now this is, um, this is Jesus traveling in verse, in verse 38. It says, now it happened as they went that he entered a certain village and a certain woman by the name of Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister named Mary who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was distracted with much serving. And she approached him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed. And Mary has chosen that good part, which will not be taken from her. So in this, in this scripture that I just read, we have two different women. We have Martha who owns the house. Jesus, the Lord, has come to her house, and so she feels obligated to host. How many of you 
would feel obligated to host, right? I mean, I think that's a natural thing, but her emphasis was on making tacos that Jesus didn't order, right? I heard a pastor say that, and I thought that was kind of cool. But she, she is busy making something that Jesus didn't ask for. But Mary recognizes, she's like, oh, the Lord came to our house. Jesus is in my living room. Come on. If Jesus was in your living room, how would you feel about it? Man, wouldn't you go in and say, I'm sorry, but, you know, Jesus fed the 5,000. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get down here. Jesus, man, I just want to, I want to hang out, talk, just talk. There's many times I sit in my closet and I pray, I say, God, just talk. I just want to hear your voice. I just want to hear from you. I didn't come in with a laundry list. I didn't come in with my needs, with my cares, my wants, my desires. I came in because I just need to hear from heaven. And I, th- I think this morning, in a lot of ways, is going to be a call back to that. For you, for many. Bill Johnson said this. He said, being alone with God is a reminder of priorities. Quiet time forces busyness to find its victims somewhere else. I love that. Busyness has to go find another victim. Why? Because I'm going to sit at the feet of Jesus. Man, so I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about the cost of transformation. The cost of transformation. Because transformation is expensive. You know, freedom is expensive. Uh, I'm sure many of you are familiar with the document called the Declaration of Independence. You know, you should be. This was a document that the 13 colonies, they basically put all the grievances that they had uh, against England in this document. And then they said, and so because of these grievances, we are declaring our independence. Well, there were 56 different signers of the Declaration of Independence. One of them was a guy by the name of of John Hart. John Hart was an interesting guy because John Hart was, uh, he was one of the many Christians uh, of of our founding fathers uh, and many of the Christians that signed the Declaration of Independence. And John was interesting because he's from New Jersey. He's a farmer. He's got 13 kids. And guess what his nickname was? Honest John Hart. That was his nickname. So he did something to earn that nickname. I won't tell you what it is. I'll let you figure that one out. And so that was his nickname. But he knew when, when he signed the Declaration of Independence, he was somewhere near his 60s. So he's about 60 years old. He signs that Declaration of Independence. And he realizes by signing this, I'm going to be now a target for the British. And so what happened to him was he began to run for, the, for, for many years, or for at least a year, and I think more. But anyway, he was, he was driven from his wife's bedside. She was dying, and he had to escape the British. He even slept in a, in a large dog's uh, pen because he was escaping a British patrol that was out. And he ran for his life. He never slept in the same place more than two nights in a row. He just stayed on the move, stayed on the move. In, ni- in 1777, excuse me, when he came back home, he came home to a, a destroyed house. His house was completely destroyed. His kids had run to escape for their lives, and they were all in different places. And so he brought them back. But because of his health, because of the toll that it took on him living outside and not staying in the warm home where the fireplace was, he was running for his life because he signed a document so that we could be free, he wound up dying. 
It's expensive. Freedom's expensive. Well, I think we forget that transformation is expensive. It is. Salvation is free. Don't get me wrong. Salvation is handed to you. All you have to do to receive salvation is to accept it. Right? To believe in your heart, to confess in your mouth that Jesus is your Lord, that you're giving your life to him and you accept what he's freely given you. Transformation costs. There's a price for transformation. And so, you know, conformity is pretty easy, right? It's easy to conform. All you have to do is just wake up in the morning and just do what everybody else is doing. Just put a mask on like, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to go there. I mean, just conform to everything else. It's human nature to conform. I didn't conform to this, but by the way, I'm wearing a blue shirt because it's my mom's birthday. Mom's for you. Happy, happy birthday. But let me read to you the definition of conformity. I conform to mom's birthday. Do you see that? Okay. Uh, to reduce to a likeness in manners, opinions, and qualities. Moral qualities. Did you hear that? Conformity is to reduce in likeness in manners, opinions, and moral qualities. To reduce. That means when you conform, you're brought lower. You step down, right? Listen to transformation. Transformation is a metamorphosis. It's the caterpillar turning into the butterfly. It's always designed to make you better than you were. Its plan, its plan is to take you to a better place. You know, it always makes you better. So transformation enables you to be in the world, but not of it. All right. So let's go back. I want to read another scripture. Let's go over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is going to be a very familiar verse uh, to many of you. 2 Corinthians 5, 17. It says, now if anyone is enfolded in Christ, he has become an entirely new person. All that is related to the old order has vanished away, but everything is fresh and new. Let me focus on that one phrase for a minute, that all that is related to the old order has vanished. The footnotes, if you read it, it says, this would include our old identity, our old life of sin, the power of Satan, uh, the religious works of trying to please God, our old relationship with the world, and our old mindsets. Mm. They can't rob my heart. This creates a whole new mindset for you. See, when you, when you realize that you are being transformed into his image and you take this verse literally, what that means is you've moved out of that old house. You're now in a brand new house. So when the enemy comes and he robs your old house, you just laugh at him and say, go ahead. There ain't nothing in there. I don't live there anymore. That's not my place. Thank you, Jesus. You know, I heard, talking about transformation, <laughs> some of you have heard this joke, so don't laugh prematurely, okay? But there was, there, there was this family that they had never been to the city before. And they decided, you know, I, I, the, the husband said, I want to take my family to the city. So he booked a stay at the Grand Hotel. And like I said, they'd never been there. So when they showed up, they were just looking at the lobby and just going, wow, look at this place. This is amazing. And he goes over to the receptionist's desk. He gets checked in. They give him his key and they point to the elevator across the lobby. And so the, he and his son walk over to the elevator and he's going, they'd never seen one. So what do we do over here? 
And they're watching, and the doors open, and this elderly woman passes them, and she gets on, on the elevator, pushes the button, and the doors close. And they thought, well, I wonder where she went. And then later, a few minutes later, the doors open back up, and this beautiful woman steps off the elevator and goes walking by him. Well, the dad's no dummy. He said, go get your mama. <laughs> Stick her in there. Okay, so salvation is free. Transformation. You guys forgive me, right? Transformation will cost. How many of you have seen the movie Rocky Three? All right, Rocky Three. Probably seen all of them. Um, I think they personally should have stopped at three, but it's all right. It's personal preference. But, but in Rocky Three, that came out when I was a teenager. I was in my late teens, and I remember the year that that came out because that was one of my favorite movies that came out that year. But you remember there's a scene. Rocky has beaten Apollo Creed in Rocky II, right? And so he has become the heavyweight champion of the world. So now he has all the riches and the wealth and the influence that comes with that success. Success always brings favor. It always brings blessing, doesn't it? And so here he is now. And, but, but now he's busy doing charity events and, and doing you know, credit card commercials and doing all of this other stuff. Meanwhile, his trainer is watching these other boxers. He's still going down to the sweaty gyms and, and watching the boxers to see who's up and coming. And this young boxer rises up. His name is Clubber Lang, right, in the movie. And so Clubber Lang, he's training hard and he's beating guys. Well, he finally wants a shot at the title. And Rocky says, okay, I'll give you a shot at the title. And Mick says... I'm not going to train you. In fact, I quit. And so I want to read some of the, just in case, I got to reference it because I don't know, I don't know the dialogue by heart. But he says, he says, he says I'm not, I don't have a fight. You do. And he said, why are you doing this? This is Rocky. Mick says, because you can't win, Rock. This guy will kill you to death. Man, that sounds terrible. Kill you to death inside of three rounds. He said, because you're not hungry. In fact, you haven't been hungry since you won that belt. And Rocky says, what do you mean I'm, I'm not hungry? I've had 10 title defenses. He said, that was easy. What do you mean easy? They was handpicked. He said, you mean they were setups? He said, no, they weren't setups. These were good fighters. But that wasn't this guy. This guy's a killer. He'll knock it at tomorrow, Rocky. You remember that line? And then the music changes. Actually, the music starts. And Rocky goes over. He sits down on the couch. Mick comes over, he sits down next to him, and he says, he says let, let me put it to you this way. The worst thing happened to you that could have ever happened to any fighter. You got civilized. You got comfortable. And I wonder if that's what's happened to many Christians. When we're no longer willing to get back in the old gym, because I believe this morning God is calling us back to that old gym. To that old place. You remember, you remember when Rocky's training for the fight with Clubber Lang that he rents this venue and there's like all these people everywhere and Mick keeps saying, let's get out of here. Let's get back in the old gym. Let's go back to the old place where the blood and the sweat and the tears were, that position, that posture where we were crying out to God, God, help me. I don't know what to do. Because yeah. yeah. I don't know about you, but I feel weak a lot. 
I felt weak this week as I was preparing this message. I said, God, I was putting down all these thoughts, and I, I always pray. I spend a lot of time in prayer, in fact, and, and, and God was giving me a few things, but I was going, this just seems like a hodgepodge of a lot of different thoughts. What are you trying to do? And then God reminded me. He said, my strength is made perfect in your weakness. I said, thank you, God. Thank you, God. But that doesn't mean that I don't need to pay the price in the old gym and spend time seeking the face of God. Spend time on my knees crying out saying, God, we need you. I need you, God. Wow. Wow. Have we become too civilized? Remember Apollo? He sees the fight and he says, Rocky, I want to train you. And what's he do? He takes him back, not to Rocky's old gym, but he takes him back to his. And he starts to train him. And he tells him, he said, listen, you had what I didn't have when we fought. You had that look. You had trained. You had, you had that look of hunger. They, he called it the eye of the tiger. Many Christians need to come back to the eye of the tiger. We need to, again, posture ourselves and put ourselves back in the old gym and train. Because I think many of us are living on the successes that we had yesterday. You know, you had a success yesterday. It was amazing. God did this, and we've been riding that wave ever since. That's why when sometimes people are, who are hungry for God, who commit their lives to God, and they say, God, I want you more than anything in my life. And, and then they had the, an amazing thing happen. God meets them. They have some kind, of, you know, some kind of amazing thing happens to them. And what do they want to do? They want to come and they want to share it with someone. And so they pick you and they come and they share it with you. And you listen to them and you rejoice with them, but then you begin to talk about back in 1996 when you had the same experience. What's the challenge here? Hasn't been since 1996, has it? Since you've had another encounter with God? Man. So I'm hoping this morning to bring you back to a place of hunger again you remember in Revelations 2, verse 4, God is speaking to the church at Ephesus, and he said, I hold this against you. You've left your first love. You've left your first love. This is why Hollywood never, they hardly ever do a story about a couple that's been married for a long time. Have you ever noticed that? If they do a sequel, see if, see if this, see if you can see this with me. You, I'm sure know it already. But they'll do the first movie. And it's all about the guy and the girl relationship, and they wind up together at the end of the film, right? Well, then if they do a sequel, they got to figure out a way to break them up so that they can do the chase again, because all Hollywood knows is the chase. But what do you do after you're caught? You keep catching. Thank you, honey. I keep chasing, don't I? Let me tell you, we have to be mindful. We have to be thoughtful. Nicole and I, we go out every Thursday. Thursday night's our night. We go out. Yeah, and come on, it's date night. We went, we went to the drive-in, sat in the back of the Tahoe. Come on, put the tail up. You know, ate chocolates and just, I didn't, well, I don't even remember the movie we saw. 
It wasn't worth mentioning, but, but, but I'm chasing. I am still pursuing Nicole. The chase didn't end. And see, it can end for us with God. But I think some people haven't come to that place in themselves where they've been transformed yet in their heart. I want, I want to talk for a moment about this. See, Paul spent 14 years being transformed. You remember he had that experience at Damascus? It was 14 years when, when he went away uh, before he reappears again and begins, doing, uh, begins his first missionary uh, journey. And so he, he needed to be transformed on the inside. Well, how do we do trans, how, how are we transformed? Because I hear a lot of talk today about preparation. God is preparing you for your purpose, you know, and if it rhymes, it's got to be God. And, uh, you know, God is, or whatever. But, and so I hear a lot about preparation. And so I was praying about that and praying about that. And I was asking God to give me understanding about this. And here's what he gave me. Preparation is gathering data, like on a computer, right? Information, knowledge, you're gathering, you're gathering, right? Transformation is changing the operating system. Come on, some of you need to come over to the light side, the good side, right? I was gonna make an Apple joke there, but I'm not going to because I've got a lot of PC people in the room and yeah, PC, more power to you. So here's my question. Do we focus on preparation when we need to be focused on transformation in our hearts? Because what transformation does is it, it transforms us from the inside out. Let me read another scripture to you. I'm going to read to you out of Romans 12, another familiar verse. Romans 12, verse 2. You guys with me? Are you hanging in there? Come on. So stop imitating the ideals and the opinions of the culture around you. Stop imitating the ideals, the opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will. Man, so many people don't know God's will. They need this right here. They need the Holy Spirit to help them transform their thinking so they can understand what God's will is because preparation won't reshape your thinking. Why? Because knowledge puffs up. More knowledge is more knowledge. But we're transformed by the renewing of our mind. And when we renew our mind to God's word, then guess what? We begin to think the way he thinks. We begin to love what he loves. We begin to hate what he hates. I want to read another verse to you, and I'm going to end on this. So I'm going to ask the band to come. John chapter 8. Turn over there. John chapter 8, verse 31. You don't mind if I get a drink of water, do you? John 8. Look at verse 31. Jesus is talking. He says, if you abide in my word, then you are my disciples indeed. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. So it's the truth that you know. Because the word of God is not a book that you gather knowledge from, it's something that, that is revealed to you. Does that make sense? Because what happens for a lot of people is they say, yeah, I've read the Bible. 
yeah, I've read, you know, I've read the Bible, been there, done that. And again, they treat it like it's a t-shirt that you get. They treat it like, you know, it's just, it's, it's knowledge. But it's not knowledge. It's transformation revelation. And so if you read it as just a textbook, then you'll walk away with knowledge. But if we ask the Holy Spirit to speak to our hearts and we open ourselves up to what God wants to say, then our hearts will be transformed. Thanks for listening to this week's message. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. Just search Vision Church. If you would like to help support this ministry, you can do so at visionnwa.com forward slash give.